0: Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flower Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message from our We Are series. Let's take a listen.
1: Our values are what drives our behavior. Now understand that we're gonna look at five of these over the next five weeks. Don't think that these five are just something that we pulled off the hip and thought, man, this sounds good, this looks good, it comes up with kind of a, a cool logo. That's not it. The Holy Spirit of God revealed these values to us through prayer. It's that simple. That the Holy Spirit of God led us in this direction and that is why we'll be sharing what we're sharing. You know, a lot of times when you hear a list, when somebody presents a list to you, it's usually followed by a statement of, here's a list, but these are in no particular order. You know, you always hear that? I would beg to differ with our lists. Number one is biblical teaching that will not ever change. The number one value of who God has called Chestnut Mountain Church to be is that we are founded on biblical teaching and that is not up for discussion. The other four below it, we can switch those around a little bit. But number one, everything we do Every time the doors are opened, we are going to be opening the scripture of God's holy word because here's the truth. We can have events all day long, but you ain't gonna find a whole lot of life in events. Here is life. Life is in the God breathed word of his voice. And this is what we're about. So the first one is biblical teaching. The second one you saw intentional community, surrendered obedience. Number four, grateful generosity. And number five, active humility. But like I said, those four, we can switch those around a little bit, but number one, it will not change. And so one thing that we're gonna look at is when we dive into this, this value of biblical teaching today, here's one thing that I want you to understand. Today is not an attempt for me to prove the Bible true. What today is an opportunity for me to do is to tell you that we're going to preach the Bible because it is true. That's it. I'm not gonna stand up here and try to discuss if it's true or not. We're preaching it because we believe it is the truth. And that is not up for discussion. This is the God-breathed word and it is true. And so understand that that's what we're gonna be doing. And and here's, here's some earth shattering news to you. Do you know why we preach the word of God? Do you know why we stand here every week? Do you know why you go to your small group? Do you know why that in the children's ministry, do you know why that in our student ministry that every time they're here, they're gonna hear the word of God preached? Do you know why? You ready? Because we're commanded to. We're commanded to by a holy God to preach the word. It's that simple. We're commanded to preach the word of God. And so where we're gonna look at this is we're gonna talk about Scripture today. We're gonna talk about the importance of Scripture today. But look, this is not my opinion. This is not some idea. We're gonna talk about the Scripture by using the Scripture. We're gonna talk about the Word of God by looking at the Word of God. And so I want you to flip to the book of 2 Timothy chapter four. We're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter four and then we're gonna go back to chapter three and do some skipping around here in just a little while. But in 2 Timothy chapter four, what you have here is you have Paul challenging young Timothy. He's charging him with this command to preach the word of God. And and this idea, this charge, this challenge to me is something that every pastor, every church, every believer, every follower of Christ should hear to preach the word of God. So 2 Timothy chapter four Read with me in verse one and then just a little part of verse two. Paul talking to Timothy, said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and he is appearing and his kingdom. Verse two, preach the word. Preach the word. There's the command. That's why we do it. And why he is so adamant about telling Timothy to preach the word, to preach the truth, is because what Timothy is facing is a lot of what we are facing even today in our culture, in our society. And what I mean by that is found in verses three and four. Skip down just a little bit, and we're, gonna, we're not skipping over verse two, we'll be there later. But verse three, it says, for the time will come when they, talking about the word, will not endure sound doctrine." but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You know, you're gonna hear how really simple-minded I am. If you're here for any amount of time, you realize I'm pretty easy to understand. Look, God knows what he's dealing with. He has to make it pretty easy for this guy to comprehend it. You've all had that awkward scratch right in the middle of your back that you can't get to no matter what. I mean, it doesn't matter how you do your arms, you're grabbing sticks. I remember used to, I'd get so frustrated with my dad because I'd look and he'd walk into a room and he'd get up against the door frame. <laughs> Y'all have all done it. Look, I always thought, what the heck is he doing? And then the older I got, when I wasn't quite as flexible as I used to be, I went, ha. Oh. I see what he's doing. It makes a lot of sense. But you know when that itch is right in the middle and it doesn't matter what you do, you will find every pin, every seat, every little bitty thing that you can to reach it. And then when you get to the wit's end, I know my wife, I say, Chelsea, look, please scratch my back. I can't get it. And if you know anything about my wife, she's like a, uh, and she's watching online. So she, I'm gonna have to pay for this one when I get home but she loves to picket things. Splinters, oh, do not tell her you will bleed because she pulls out pocket knives. I mean, everything, everything. But so anything she does like this, she's gonna go all in. And so if I tell her my back's itching, <laughs> I mean, it is just, I mean, finger, and I'm going, oh, oh, and it's just painful. And then all of a sudden you're going, no, go to the right, go, oh. There it is. And then all of a sudden, it just doesn't hurt anymore. And so the reality, the truth behind that that comical visual is do you understand that is exactly what our world and our society does now? Is they're gonna go to churches, they're gonna go to all these places to try to make themselves feel better about themselves, but they're only gonna go to the places that make them feel good. They're gonna bounce around because We live in a day and age where we don't like to talk about things that upset people, that may go against what their flesh believes, that may go against what they desire or what they want because we're so afraid they won't come back the next week. But can I tell you, church, we cannot ever be more concerned about drawing a crowd than we are teaching the truth of God's word. And the reality is, is when we open this book, When we teach the truth of God's word, can I go ahead and tell you right now, it's not going to feel good. There's gonna be times that it hurts. There's gonna be times that it is painful because that's the simplicity of the gospel because it's a story of the scripture explaining who we are not and who he is. It's that simple. It's a story of explaining who we are not, but it's telling us who he is. So this message of the gospel, this message of of scripture, it's very humbling because it doesn't always make us feel good. Our world wants to hear how good they are. Our world wants to hear how they have it all together. Our world wants to hear what lines up with their fleshly desires. And this is what Paul is talking about, the itching ears. I don't wanna go somewhere. The only reason I'm gonna go there is if it feels good. I remember when I was playing basketball in college, there was two guys on my team and they came to me and they said, Brian, we're trying to find a church, but I don't like going to that one over there. I said, Why? He said, we just, every time I go there, I leave feeling bad about myself. And I looked at him, I said, Greg, looks to me, you found the right church because they're preaching the truth. And he looked at me and goes, oh, I never thought about it that way. Because you see, that's the itching ears. As we live in a day and age where we only want to go, it's just like those kids They're gonna go to the parent who gives them the answer that they want. The very thing that you beat your child for. We're guilty of the same thing. We're guilty of the same thing. We just wanna hear the good news. We don't wanna hear all this other stuff that makes us maybe not feel as good about ourselves. The world, Warren Wearsby says this, they want religious entertainment from Christian performers who will tickle their ears. That's what our society is hungry for is they just want entertainment on Sunday morning. They just want things to make them feel better about themselves. But church, here's what I'm gonna tell you right now. As long as we are teaching the truth of God's word, you will be offended. The truth will offend you, but the truth will also set you free. The truth will offend you, but the truth will also set you free. And so my prayer is this. Now look, this may be your first time here, and what I'm about to tell you, you may say, nope, I'm out. I pray every single week that the word of God offends you. I pray every single week, not the words coming out of Brian's mouth, But the words that are coming off these pages, I pray every single week that it offends you because what that tells me is that the Holy Spirit of God is moving in your life and you need to recognize it, you need to celebrate it. You say, well, Brian, do I celebrate the uncomfortable? Absolutely, absolutely you celebrate being uncomfortable because that is the Holy Spirit molding you and shaping you into the image of his son. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. My prayer is that you are offended every single week. And if we're reading it, you're going to be. So back up with me just a little bit in chapter three. Verse 14 is where we're gonna read. We're gonna close out chapter three right here. But in verse 14, it says, you, however, remember Paul is talking to Timothy. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom, listen to this, here's the victory, here's the good news, that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you keep living what you've been taught You pay attention to those who taught you. And in chapter one, verse five, we see he taught him. It says, for I am mindful and sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. You see, this is a mother and a grandmother who poured the Holy Scriptures in to their son and grandson. How many of you are thankful in this room for a mother or a grandmother who taught you what the Bible said? How many of you are thankful and you celebrate that you had that in your life? Because look, we all know that that's not the case everywhere. So if you've got that, you need to be thankful for it. But what I love about that, something I had never seen before, but it said that he was taught it until he became convinced. So if it took him Becoming convinced, we know at some point, he wasn't convinced. And so in my mind, I'm going, okay, why wasn't he convinced of these scriptures? Why wasn't he convinced of this? Could it be that what mother and grandmother were telling him offended him? Could it be that it was going against his flesh? Could it be that it made him uncomfortable? But what I'm so thankful for is even if it did offend him, here's a mother and a grandmother who stayed faithful to teach even when it offended. And the reason that they did that is because they loved him. Why do you think Paul taught the hard truths all through the scripture? Because he loved. Why do you think Jesus Christ taught the scriptures all through the scriptures? Because he loved One thing I wanna tell you is that every time you step foot on this campus, you're gonna hear me, you're gonna hear our staff, you're gonna hear our group leaders. We are going to teach the truth of God's word because we love you. That is why we're gonna teach the truth for no other reason but love. We love you enough to tell you maybe what you don't wanna hear. But as we said just a moment ago, we're gonna teach it in love because what we read there is that the scripture leads to salvation. The scripture leads to salvation. We can get up and tell funny stories all day long. We can get up and be entertaining all day long. And just to be honest, we would probably draw bigger crowds if we did. But we love you. We love you and we want the scriptures, we want the God-breathed word to lead to salvation. Look, we're approaching the 100th baptism for 2021. We have seen life change in so many people this year. And can I tell you, it has nothing to do with programming. It has nothing to do with worship music. It has nothing to do with great preaching. All it has to do with is the power of the Holy Spirit and the moving of God's word on the hearts of men and women. That's it, that's it. This is what saves. This is what reveals who we are not and who he is in church I'm going to tell you right now we will never stray away from this teaching if we do y'all call me out i remember on august 8th Brian you said we would never stray away from biblical teaching if i ever do it hold me accountable hold me accountable You see, we're not in the entertainment business, church. We're in the loving business. And the way that we love is we tell you what you don't wanna hear, because our world doesn't do that. Our world's just gonna tell you what you want to hear. But the reason that we can stand in boldness, the reason that we can claim the truth of God's word is because of what verse 16 says. In chapter three of Second Timothy, all. All, I want you to highlight, I want you to circle, I want you to put an exclamation point beside that, that all scripture is inspired by God. This is the very reason that we teach the way we do here. We usually pick a book of the Bible and we walk through it because guess what, we're forced to teach it all. We don't get to pick and choose and skip over verses and sit there and go, "Mm, you know what? That's probably gonna offend so-and-so, so so I'm not gonna read that because I sure want them to come back next week. But our responsibility is to teach it all because every bit of it is God-breathed. Every bit of it is breathed out by an almighty God. Now, Notice it doesn't say that it was physically written by God. Notice that it doesn't say that God handwrote every last little letter in this book. What's interesting is that's not necessarily always gonna be the case or has been the case. And in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, listen what it says here. He says, when he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets let's of the testimony in the tablets of stone, listen to this, written by the finger of God. So we know that according to that scripture that the finger of God carved that out in stone, carved the 10 commandments out in stone. So that was literally written by the hand of God. But what we read later is that all the words of the scripture are God breathed. And what we know is that God used men to pin the Holy Scriptures. Now look, this is a lot of argument. This is where a lot of people will attack the Scriptures. My wife was in a conversation this past week where it said, I don't believe that book because men wrote it and men aren't perfect. I would agree that men aren't perfect. But what we're not recognizing is that every word in it is God inspired. And what God inspired means in the literal language in the original language is that it was God breathed. The very same breath that put God that put put air in Adam's lungs at creation is the very same breath that wrote every word of scripture. All of it, not parts of it, but all of it. That's the very reason we're gonna teach it because it's the very breath of God. The very breath that is in your lungs is the breath that God placed in you is the same very breath that wrote the scripture that we open every single week. But you know, people attacking the word of God, people attacking the voice of God is something that goes all the way back to the garden. Because God audibly spoke to Adam and Eve and gave them specific instructions and said, don't eat of that fruit. And kind of paraphrasing it, the serpent showed up and he said, is that really what God said? Is that really what God said? So he began to attack. He began to attack the scripture the same way men are doing now. Is that really what God said? Yep, God said it and I believe it. Does it all make sense? No, but you know what? I still believe it. I still believe every last word of it. So I know that when we talk about that being God-breathed, that's something that's a little difficult to kind of comprehend, to, to understand. So there's two passes of scripture, I think that'll help us get a better idea of what it means to, to be God-breathed. So I want you to flip to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter one, and we're just gonna read two verses here and then we're gonna flip back to the book of Acts and you'll see what we're doing here and what what God sort of revealed to us and laid on our hearts. But in 2 Peter chapter one, verse 20 and 21 says this, but know first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But listen to this. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. I want you to underline or highlight the word moved there. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. Now flip to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 27 now, when I start reading this, you're gonna think, well, he's just reading the wrong verse. He made a mistake, because I do not have anything to do with what he just read about that being moved by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 27, verse 15. This is Paul when they were shipwrecked. And when the ship was caught in it, when it was caught in the storm, and could not face the wind, we gave way to it. And we let ourselves be driven along. Now, here, here's where this all lines up. When you look at the word moved that we read in 2 Peter, and then we see the word driven in the book of Acts, if you go back to the original language, that's the very same word used in the Greek. Pharaoh, is F-E-R-O. And here's what that word means. Here's what the definition of that word means. It means to be carried by or to bring forth or to be driven by. Now here's the beauty of how all of this plays out. The same way the ship was driven by the wind, you notice that it said it had to go where the wind led it. They didn't have a choice. They had to submit to the wind. They had to go where the wind took the ship. Is the very same word that we see when the Holy Spirit of God moved on the minds and the hearts of men. The men that could not go anywhere except where the Holy Spirit of God let it go. So when we see that, we see a ship going one way because it's led by the wind and we see the heart and the mind of man going one way because it's led by the Holy Spirit of God. The reality is, is that's the beauty of the Holy Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is he protected man's mind and he says, you know what? This is not about what your mind thinks. This is not about your opinion. This is my breath and I'm gonna protect your mind. I'm gonna protect your thoughts and you're gonna pin it the way I'm telling you to pin it. So man didn't have a choice. Man could only write down what God breathed out. So that's the beauty of this scripture is people can say that it's flawed by man, that these were were men who were flawed. I would 100% agree, but the difference is, is they were inspired by a perfect and a holy God and the Holy Spirit of God led them with perfection, led them with truth. And that is why we believe it. We don't believe it because man wrote it. We believe it because God breathed it. That's why we believe this book. That's why we're gonna cling and stand on the foundations of this truth, church, and we will never preach anything else. We'll never preach anything else because every word was led by the holy breath of an almighty God and that's why we're going to teach all of it, all of it. But we see here the reason that it gets difficult to teach these hard truths because we see what comes from teaching the hard truths. Look at verse 17 and it kind of repeats itself in verse three of, of or verse two of chapter four, but we're gonna stay in verse 16 here. All scripture is inspired by God, 2 Timothy chapter three, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction. So first and foremost, we see that the teaching of the scripture is profitable. What that means is that good will come out of it. It's kind of like exercising and working out. We would all agree that it's profitable. We would all agree that good's gonna come out of it, but it's painful. The older you get, the more painful it gets. But something good comes out of it. So every time we open the scripture of God, can I tell you that something good will come out of it because his word promises us that. His word will not return void. That means that it will never be opened and read for no reason that it's always going to do something. And so we read there that it's always gonna do something, good's gonna come from it, but we see that it's profitable for teaching. You see, the word teaching there means it gives us instruction. It gives the believer the instruction manual on how to follow Christ and what the life of a Christian looks like. How many of you have ever put those God-forsaken playgrounds together for your kids. You open that box on the picture, man, on the outside of that box, man, it just looks, whoo, my kid gonna love this. And you open that sucker up and you have to pray after because you have thoughts and you may even say some things. You may even find the receipt, I gotta take this thing back. But there's nuts and bolts and pieces and stickers everywhere. There is no way on God's green earth that you would ever attempt to put that playground together without acknowledging the instructions. How in the world do we think that we can follow Christ and live a surrendered life to a holy God without ever reading the instructions? It's not gonna happen because you see, this instruction manual is contrary to our flesh. So the things that we wanna do, the things that we look that we need to do It's not gonna line up with this book. That's why we have to have the instructions because it's teaching us to do something that we know nothing about. And so that's another reason that it's profitable is because it teaches a follower of Christ how to live, how to live a surrendered life to a risen savior. So we see it's profitable for teaching, but it's also profitable for reproof. You know what reproof means, right? It reveals what isn't right. That's the painful part. That reason alone is the very reason that our world wants nothing to do with it. Because the teaching of this word will offend you because it doesn't line up with your flesh. It doesn't line up with your desires. It doesn't line up with what you want. And so we see there that that it is gonna reveal to us what isn't right. And so yes, that's painful. We don't like to hear that. But church, what we've gotta get back to is celebrating the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We've gotta get back to being thankful that we're miserable when we're living in sin. We've gotta get back to where we're miserable when we know that we're living a life that doesn't align with the teaching of Scripture because that means the Holy Spirit is active in your life. In church, that's something we never need to get over. Be thankful that the Holy Spirit cuts coming and going, that it reveals the hard truths to us. And I know you may be thinking, well, golly, so we're gonna open the Bible every week and it's gonna teach me how to be a Christian? and then tell me how terrible I am because I'm not one. But what you see next is the beauty of God's grace. It's profitable for the teaching, for the reproof and for correction. Aren't you thankful that in spite of our sin that God never cuts us off? Aren't you thankful that in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our fleshly living, that God doesn't say, you know what? I'm just wiping my hands clean of you. You're a mess. You're beyond fixable. But you see, that's not what the scripture says. It says that the teaching of this word is used for correction. That is when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us how to change this. And a lot of times it's only something that can be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to surrender to that. So we see the grace in the correction. We see that there's restoration in the word of God. We see that he restores us through the reading of his word. And I am thankful for that. I found this quote and I really wish it was mine because it's really good. And I don't even know who it is. But a lot of times when I say quotes, y'all give me credit for them and I can promise you I'm not that smart. But listen to what it says. Preaching the word afflicts those who are comfortable and it comforts those who are afflicted. I can guarantee you that there's not another book out there that offers that. That this God-breathed word is gonna afflict those who are comfortable and comfort those who are afflicted. So as we read the scripture, as we read God's breath, we see that it's gonna teach us. It's gonna convict us, but it's also going to comfort us. Because just a moment ago, Jared stood and read a Psalms and I can promise you this right now, that word from the scripture was for somebody in this room. You've been living in fear. You may feel like you're bound up. You may feel like the world is running all over you, but today you heard this word, not just that it's been breathed out, but the fact is it's still breathing. It's still alive. It's still meeting you right where you're at. That's the supernatural power of God's breath. So we see that it does comfort us. But this teaching, this reproof, this correction, what we also know is that it's, all this is leading up to the process of what Paul says at the very end of verse 16, that it's profitable for the training in righteousness. You see that, If we will surrender to the teachings of this word and the power of the Holy Spirit, you do realize that God is using that to train you to be used in his army. He is using that to train you up to be a warrior for the gospel, to be a soldier of the cross. He's using it to train you up in righteousness He's preparing you to be used. So anytime we open this book, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the preparation to be used by a holy and a righteous God. You know, this is a great time to plug something that we're kicking back off this coming Thursday. This coming Thursday, there's been a lot of men who have been asking, hey, when are we starting the, The breakfast and Bible back up. Well, don't wait any longer. This Thursday morning, men, we're gonna gather in this room at six o'clock. Yes, 6 a.m. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna play some awesome worship music. We're probably gonna watch some cool video clips. No, that's not at all what we're gonna do. We're gonna sit around round tables and we're gonna grow in the Lord together. We're gonna open the word of God together. And I can tell you that in our season that we've been here, we've been here almost four years now that when we've launched into this several months ago, can I tell you that that is the number one most encouraging thing that God has allowed me to witness here? Is that we averaged over 50 men every Thursday morning, sitting at round tables, Growing in the Lord together. And what was even more enjoyable than that is how mad they got at us when we stopped it. Because it created a hunger in men for the word of God. And church, God has led, laid the family on my heart moving forward for this next year. And can I tell you, there's no other place to start than when the men of the home get in the word of God. This is how we're gonna reclaim the homes. It's through the word of God. So men, I invite you this Thursday morning, we'll have biscuits and we'll have some coffee. You say, well, Brian, I don't really know anybody. It'll be uncomfortable. I'll be late to work. No, you won't. We're gonna be out of here by 6.59. And I mean that, literally. There's a lot of times that people are in deep deep discussions and we jump up and say, okay, man, 6.59, get out of here. You gotta get to work. I gotta get home and get my kids to school. I got my whole bus route to run on Thursday morning. I'm having one of those arms installed and the big stop sign on the side and getting ready. It's getting put in this week. But there's still plenty of time. Iron's gonna sharpen iron and then I'm gonna take my kids to school. But men, just come because all we're gonna do is be in the word together because it was profitable for the teaching the reproof, the correction, and the training up in righteousness for us. Wednesday night starts established, 6.30. Phoebe's gonna be in here just teaching the Bible for our adults. I encourage you to be a part of that. It's very laid back. A lot of discussion among your tables So where you can grow in the Lord together. There's not a bad question. So be here Wednesday night. That's for everybody, that's not just the guys. You say, about time you're not sexist. That's for everybody, all right? Be here Wednesday night at 6.30 in this room. But in closing today, if we think that we can be trained up in righteousness, if we think we can be trained up to be used by a holy God without the word of God, that's just like going to the desert without water. It ain't gonna work. You know, As you heard me say just a moment ago earlier, God has to make things pretty clear for this old boy to understand them. And I love it when God puts together the simplicity of what he wants me to hear. So just several weeks back ago, I was exercising. I would like to call it jogging, but I think I was dragging one leg behind the other one. It just wasn't really going too well. And I was going out my driveway and I began to notice that on my driveway, there were just these old worms. And they were laying there on the concrete, just trying to maneuver and trying to, I'm assuming, get to the other side. I don't really not in the mind of a worm. So I really don't know what he was doing. But in that moment, God just brought my attention to this worm. And so I began to jog and I was like, God, what what are you trying to teach me through this worm? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't say nothing in my mind. I heard nothing. I go on about my day, go to work, come home, pull down the driveway. Worm's still there. But they're in a little bit different shape than they were when I left. They're a little dried out, crunchy. Sorry if that makes you weak. Just kind of nasty. Some of them ran over. (laughs) Don't really need to explain that. So even in that, I went, okay, God, what's here? What do you want me to see? And so I just sort of tucked that aside. And several weeks ago, or not several weeks ago, this, this past Tuesday, I was studying for this message today. And I began to pray, I was getting ready to close and I knew kind of where we were headed and how this whole thing was gonna tie up, but I I could not figure out how to land the plane. And so I got on my face in the floor in the camper and I said, God, how do I close this message? How do I, because this is not really a, a call to repentance. This is not really a, a salvation message, if you would. So God, how do we really set up the response? How do we, how do we really go from here? And in that moment, laying in the floor of my camper, I saw the worm. And God says, I'm about to teach you. I'm about to show you. So I get up out of the floor of the camper and I go over to my computer. I did what every biblical scholar does and I pulled up Google. Y'all, it landed a lot better in the first service. They really laughed. And I simply Googled, why are worms on my driveway? Y'all hearing how smart I am, right? And as I began to read why worms were on my driveway, what I realized is that an earthworm's life source is in moisture. Because in the moisture, the oxygen is provided to their bodies. It's provided to their skin. And in the early morning, because of the dew on the ground, the worms are very active. But the problem with that is is those little worms, because of the moisture, they get a little bit too comfortable in their own skin. And so for a brief moment of time, they think they can do it on their own. They think, okay, I've got it, I've got enough. I've got enough to get me through this. And so now I think I can journey across this dry path on my own. I think I can do it without the moisture of the grass. And so what happens is they leave the very life source that they were created to live in and they think they can do it on their own, but by the end, they're dried up, they're burnt out, and they're dead. Can I tell you, I asked God, I said, God, what does that mean? He said, Brian, that's exactly what it looks like when my children try to live a life that honors me outside the life that is given them through this God-breathed word. This is where life is. No offense to the worship team, no offense to big events, but can I tell you that you don't find life in Christ outside of the teaching of this word. And church, that's why we will never venture away from it. This is where the life is. And I'm like, man, if I'd have known that, I'd pick the little suckers up and throw them back over in the grass. But church, you may be here this morning as a believer in Christ. And you may say, Brian, I am scorched. I'm burnt out. I'm worn out. I would ask you to take a close look how much time you're spending in the life. Because I bet right where you're at is a direct reflection of how little time you're spending in the life source. You've been around those people at work. You've been around those family members. They walk in and they're just in a bad mood. And you can look at them right in the eyes and say, you ain't spent time with a father this morning, have you? Or on the other hand, you come in skipping and hopping and whistling. You can tell you've been in the presence of the Lord. So this morning, I still really don't know how we land this plane or where to, to end this message without helping you to under, just simply understand that know what you're getting yourself into. If this is where God has called you to call home, we're gonna teach the Bible, whether you like it or not because one day that's what I'm gonna stand accountable for. And God ain't not gonna really care about how many people were in the room. God don't, don't really care about how many people come to a big event. But it would be easy to say, God, look what we did. Look what we did. Look at all these people that showed up. I believe with everything in me, he's going to say, did you teach my word? Did you breathe my breath? Because my breath is the only thing that brings life. That's it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your net steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.